the Tutors of Life podcast, where we research life so you don't have to. Episode 149. This is your host, Sean Tudor. And this is Sam. Guys, I'm eating crumble cookies and drinking coffee. So if you get some serious ASMR, enjoy it. Or don't. Enjoy it. Sure. Yeah. Um, it is Saturday afternoon. Sunday afternoon. Sunday afternoon. Um, Sean and I are finishing up everything at Robin Road. Mm-hmm. So we decided to take a quick break, record a podcast. Eat some cookies. Eat some cookies. Drink and some coffee. Go back. Mm-hmm. We'll post, I'll post some fun pictures on a, either Tutors of Life or Sean's thing. Sean's. The steps I did. Oh, yeah. Things are badass, man. They look really good. Um, so yeah, look for that. Mm-hmm. Okay, show me what we're talking about. All right. So I've been reading. I have on and off been reading the Millionaire Mindset. Mm-hmm. I actually don't really read books all the way through. Much often, business books. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I read like my fiction mm-hmm. all the way through. My nonfiction, I usually read like, read or listen to like half the book, and then I'm like, we're just repeating ourselves. Mm-hmm. You want to know who else also says that, which is really cool? Rob Bailey. Alex Hermosi. <sighs> and I was like, dude, it's so true because like you read the book or you listen to it, and typically it's just the same shit being repeated over and over and mm-hmm. over again. So I usually get pretty bored of it. I'm like, I'm like, yeah, I get the point. And so I'm like a little over halfway through the millionaire mindset and I'll just occasionally read it. Like maybe once a week, I'll just read a chapter. Mm-hmm. And um, this week I read, man, I maybe read like 10 pages and I wasn't really, I read like 10 pages and it was whatever. Mm-hmm. I wasn't really like in deep. I'm like, what? Okay, so cool. Whatever, I'll read some later. I decided to read another, like, another, it's not like a chapter, it's like a, it's like a section within the chapters is how they have it broke up. Oh, like a sub-chapter? A sub-chapter, so I'm like, I'm going to read one more sub-chapter. And so, I think you had gone to work at that point. Yeah. And I was like. Yeah, because you called or texted me? Yeah, I was like, I ain't gotta, I ain't gotta be to work for another, like. 45 minutes and i'm not training i didn't train that morning mm-hmm. which i should have but i was like ah i'll just read another sub chapter and i read another one and i was like holy fuck that was it it was good it's those that type of chapter that i you always bring to me too there because there's some parts of it that's like a lot of uh like research done within like yes. millionaires and that's the stuff that, like, you definitely find the most interesting and always tell me about it. Mm-hmm. So that's what this subchapter was. It was really cool, though, what Sean was telling me. So it was about, um, it was about a woman. Uh, so, so what it is is there's, like, a certain amount of millionaire households that were interviewed back in the 90s. Mm-hmm. And so this is, like millionaires from the 90s which it was a lot more 
prestigious to be a millionaire in the 90s yeah now to be a millionaire anybody can do it with like just basic skills and a sliver of discipline Mm -hmm. Um, enough time and a sliver of discipline and you can be a millionaire yeah the problem is people lack discipline yeah oh yeah so there's a there's a slew of things i could go over one thing i will say before we go on Back in the 90s, uh, it was like 85% of millionaire households mm-hmm. had stay-at-home wives. Oh, yeah. I thought that was really cool. Yeah. Um, so, the, the section I read, the lady liked, the, the lady described the millionaire household they had and how it was so successful. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and it was based around the things they purchased and how they purchased them. So she said, first and foremost, they overspent on their house. Okay. So they didn't necessarily, they didn't overspend for what they could afford. They just bought a bigger, nicer house than they needed. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they researched neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. And, and this is a this is a common theme. This is like, this part is common from what I read in a bunch of different ones. Um, they like cherry picked the best neighborhood in the area in like the best school district that had high property taxes and they weren't afraid to purchase a little above market value for that house. Mm-hmm. Here's why. Back in the 90s, it was common for a millionaire to live in the household for 20 years. It was common for a millionaire to live in their house for 20 years. So they would purchase a house a little above market value because they didn't care because they planned to stay there for 20 years. Mm-hmm. That might not be the case nowadays, but that that was the case back in the 90s. So they bought a house, nice school district, high property taxes, one of the best neighborhoods because they knew that was a desirable location. Usually those locations are developed as much as they can be. Mm-hmm. And there's no way to add more. Right. You know, that's like down like Grover Lane area or like Grover. Oh, yeah. That one road that we yeah. really freaking like. It's yeah. like there's nowhere to add a house. Right. So you have what you have. It's not like developments. They can't build out. Like that is what it is. Mm-hmm. And so granted, like down the road, a few blocks there is a little development that they're putting up like eight nice houses, but yeah, that neighborhood. So anyways, reason being desirable, they can't build more and it's going to appreciate more than about any other place in the, in the area. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of these people will buy these houses. A lot of these millionaires buy these houses. They live in it for 10, 15, 20 years. And the value of the properties have gone up two to three times the amount. They only owe what they had, what they owe after 20 years on their mortgage or whatever, right? That they bought it at a third of the value, right? A half of the value. And so they have this lady, for example, they had theirs paid off and it was uh, valued at $800,000. So they were almost a millionaire just by the equity they had in their house. That's awesome. 
Plus, how good is that looking on your personal financial statement when you have $800,000 in equity? Yeah. Like, that's looking really good on your PFS when you're trying to get loans and shit to expand. Oh, yeah, for sure. So, and, and like, if you want to think about leveraging and shit, you could take out a $650,000 line of home equity line of credit on that property mm-hmm. if you needed, you know, if you wanted to, needed to, whatever. So that was the first part that I, I've heard multiple times, but I was like, man, I really, really like this. Yeah. Um, because it's a, it's a, we know you can write off interest. Yeah. And you can write off property taxes. And so if you're writing off your interest in property taxes and you're paying a little more for property taxes is what it is. I mean, you're in a nice area. Mm-hmm. Boom. So that was number one. Okay. Then. They talked about, since we were talking about the house, they talked about furniture in the house. Okay? I This is just the neatest thing ever. This one's so neat. There's no way, right, the garbage Joe would think of this. No. So, the lady's like, instead of going out and buying all the new furniture that all of our friends buy, everybody they know, their neighbors, they go out and buy the cheap, the cheap furniture with the fucking... Like the OSB pressed yeah. type furniture, the cheap furniture. The Ikea. The Ikea shit. Instead of going out and buying that, they go vintage shopping and they get vintage furniture. Some of the furniture she was saying was from the 1800s they mm-hmm. were putting in their house mm-hmm. and they'd get it reupholstered. The reason they did that, very durable and the abuse it takes, it doesn't like degrade like the normal shit so it could take a lot of abuse from the family and all they have to do is reupholster it at the end of it right Right. yeah you have very old vintage furniture that's been reupholstered or maybe refinished mm-hmm. and she says it appreciates in value while we use it damn and so i was like holy fuck that's so true because when you go buy that new couch for 1500 bucks you go buy that fucking furniture set or the you know the bedroom set. bedroom set for a couple grand um all these like coffee tables all this shit like we have a fake coffee table right there mm-hmm. you know like you get all these fake things and they degrade mm-hmm. instead vintage very well made appreciating furniture i was like dude that shit's fucking wild to think about yeah i mean look how much nicer that bookshelf is uh in your office mm-hmm. that i've had since like we've had it since i was a child so at least the early 1990s right um it's super light surprisingly mm-hmm. but that thing is so much more durable than any of the other bookshelves we had mm-hmm. all the compressed wood yeah because the difference between that that's actual wood even though it's thin mm-hmm. it's wood where the other shit is like compressed uh yeah what the fuck's that called particle board particle board thank you plywood particle board anyways so i was really jiving with that i think mm-hmm. that's a very neat thing that a lot of people don't think about because mm-hmm. most people just go and get ikea menards the cheap furniture yeah and dude this goes into the same thing those high-end houses dude they have like real hardwood cabinets Real hardwood mm. trim. You know, they have real wood. Yeah, that's very true. <clears throat> so, you buy a high-end house and you put vintage furniture in it. 
We drive in? Yeah, we drive in. And getting stuff reupholstered isn't that ungodly expensive. And then you can always, I like that too, because you can always switch it. Like, let's say you get a different house that has a different aesthetic. You can very easily just get it reupholstered again to match the new aesthetic. Mm-hmm. That's so genius. I love that. Uh, Sean and I have talked about that a lot because we do have quite a bit of furniture that just seems to fall apart slowly but surely. Mm-hmm. Um, so it would be nice to get some nicer upgraded things yeah and but here's a, here's another way to think of it right that shit's extremely heavy mm-hmm. <clears throat> so getting that now we could get a couple pieces now but like getting a bunch of that now into a house that we don't plan to stay in long that's term true, yeah. they're doing this like their average length in a home is 20 years right so if they're getting this furniture and adding that furniture to that place they're only moving it twice in their lifetime that's so true and so it, that's kind of another way to look at it, right? Is like we could slowly start acquiring some of that, but we don't want to acquire too much right now mm-hmm. because we're going to have to move all that shit. Right. I mean, I'd probably for sure get some bookshelves mm-hmm. and then, you know, maybe a new desk. No, I'm just kidding. No, dude. Not up here. No. Fuck that. I love that. De- I love this desk, actually. Like that desk I had at Stable. Oh, I hated that thing. I love that big bitch. What a beautiful desk. I hated that thing. Dude, those desks are expensive as shit. Mm-hmm. When you're talking about like a real hardwood made desk, mm-hmm. holy shit, are those expensive. Yeah, they are. Okay, what's next? All right, so we covered the household. Mm-hmm. And then they talked about real collectibles mm-hmm. so appreciating collectibles coin collections no real collectibles coin collections shit that holds value appreciates in value well um what is well i don't know dude the every <laughs> everything she talked about was like real like like metal mm-hmm. wood like so like jewelry and yeah yeah like you said i mean we do actually have quite a bit of like old school uh coins and stuff uh they're at my mom's house actually i should grab them but yeah so it's like stuff like like i i think the kind of way to think about it is like if you had to barter it Mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying like shit you shit you could barter for useful use right you're not bartering with legos no um and so, and that's another thing, the man spot. Have you heard of the man spot? Mm-mm. The man spot is, um, it's a, it's an Instagram page, the man spot, but that guy is very cash poor, mm-hmm. but very asset wealth. Okay. And so he has a bunch, like he did a podcast with Rob Bailey about, um, how he's got a bunch of, of assets that he has out at his farm he has like a huge farm Mm -hmm. or a big like uh i don't know fortress i don't fucking know the man spot yeah so he's got a bunch of things that are things he could barter and he loves bartering so if he's in a situation where currency means nothing or currency has very little value Mm -hmm. he has things he can barter that people would want 
He's a huge on guns. Huge, huge gun. Guy. I was gonna say I just saw some guns. Um, huge on antique furniture. Huge on antiques in general. Um, but yeah, he's like a huge collector. Another guy, um, that Rob was interviewing talked about um how he buys Porsche 911s. Mm-hmm. Used Porsche 911s because he likes them. And they appreciate in value. And so he's got a bunch of Porsche 911s where he's like, if something happens, I could trade a Porsche 911 for useful shit. Mm-hmm. Super cool. So, co- like collectibles. Antiques and collectibles. Collector cars. Anything that appreciates in value while you own it and has already lived out its depreciated life. Mm-hmm. Is like what they look at buying collecting holding instead of just holding cash they looked at holding assets okay so i thought that was pretty cool mm-hmm. so because because like i guess if you look at it if we buy a collector car and we put money into a collector car it the appreciation depending on what car you get it's like three to four percent a year that is technically better than cash. Cash because cash is depreciating at like twenty percent a year. Right. So I mean, if you look at it like in in that realm, it makes quite a bit more sense. Okay. So we covered collect collectibles. Now let's talk about things that are consumables. Okay. Okay. Cars. Yes. Your normal daily automobile, not a collector. Okay. Okay. They never buy brand new. Okay. That makes sense. They buy after the main depreciation life of the vehicle. Okay? So, a lot of you know when you buy a car and you drive it off the lot, it automatically goes down in value. Forget about the last, like, year and a half because that's really, like, weird. And we're if you look at car prices, car prices are getting back on track to what they really yeah, are. Finally. Which is good to see. So... Depending on the brand, depending on the brand, the miles, um, depends on how fast they depreciate. Mm-hmm. But once they reach a certain level of depreciation, that's when it hits their like buy box, which is good for two reasons. One, you have most of the depreciation gone. Two, you can research those vehicles, at least in today's time, mm-hmm. because I was like looking into Toyota Tacomas, yeah. and it tells you exactly what Tacomas to buy and exactly which ones to stay away from. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah, what like their quirks are, what things go wrong. Like 2016 Tacomas are awful to buy. They have like engine issues and stuff. Like, that's to- really weird. Not normal for Toyota, but they're 2015s, and there's a lot more 2015s for sale than 2016s for whatever reason. Their 2015s are like one of the best models. Interesting. Yeah, I know. So it's cool. So that's like twofold, right? You get to see which ones worked out its kinks so you're not getting nickel and dimed. And then it's through its main depreciate depreciated life. Mm-hmm. So that's in their buy box and they buy it. They do not buy high end hmm. Let me how do I say this? They buy quality cars, not cheap cars that would nickel and dime you. So like uh what was it? Uh was it the Porsche SUV? So they're not buying a Porsche SUV. They are not buying a Porsche SUV. Um, the only thing we've heard about those is that you spend more time um, with a loaner than your actual vehicle. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So what's cool about that is like my thought or so 
they buy the car and then they sell the car again before it depreciates massively. Mm -hmm. So I was talking to Sam about this, like, for example, a Toyota 4Runner, because we're looking at getting you one. Mm -hmm. Once they get about five years old with like a little over 100,000 miles, they start to go down in value quite significantly. Oh, yeah, for sure. So that's when like would be a good time to buy that. And you would drive that from maybe like 120,000 miles to like 175,000, 170,000 miles. And then you sell it. Mm -hmm. And you drive it for like three to four years. And the reason you do that, that span, you're not going to get hit with massive amounts of maintenance, right? Mm -hmm. In that like 50,000 miles... In the three years, it's not depreciating a whole lot. Mm -hmm. It's depreciating, but it's nowhere depreciating like if you bought it up until it crossed the 100,000-mile threshold. Right, yeah. That's a huge depreciation amount that you're skipping. And so, yes, you're spending money on the tax and registration, but you're not getting hit with the massive depreciation in value. Mm Mm-hmm. So you're owning vehicles in this, you're owning quality vehicles with low maintenance because you're able to research it in this like few year, 50,000 mile box Mm -hmm. and then reselling it and then starting the cycle over. And that way you're not taking huge hits on the value of your vehicles and you're not getting nickel and dime down a lot of maintenance. Right. Like when you take a vehicle into the 200,000s, it's very common to start getting hit with a lot of maintenance. Right. Or 10, is it 10 years that it also drops in price again? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yep. And so you, if you own things in that buy box, you're usually set up that what, what the, you're set up pretty good. It's yeah. like a, a pretty safe hedging way on keeping wealth. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was, that was pretty sweet. Yes. So that is cars and how to like navigate owning a car. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> now. Clothing. This one's neat. Clothing is... Clothing depreciates the most. If you go buy a piece of clothing, it's typical for that piece of clothing to depreciate 90 to 95% the day you buy it. That's so crazy. Once you wear it, it depreciates that much because who's buying your used clothing for... If you look at a car, it might depreciate like 15% from driving it off the lot brand new. But someone will still buy that car. Right, yeah. If I buy a fucking t-shirt and I go wear that t-shirt for a couple weeks and then I try to sell that thing for 85% of what I bought it for, yeah, right. Mm-hmm. That it it does, that might work kind of with like nicer coats or like sport jackets, like motorcycle shit. Maybe, yeah. So like but anyways... The majority of clothing you wear every day that touches your body depreciates like 90% when you buy it. Mm -hmm. So how can we like hedge that, right? Mm -hmm. So obviously your socks and your underwear, that's out the window. That is what it is. Buy higher quality so they don't get destroyed as fast, but that's out the window. But your other clothes, your t-shirts, your pants, your coats, shit like that. The lady in the thing said that they go to high-end stores, high-end used stores, so like a Play-Doh's closet. Mm-hmm. I guess for for like a, for us, it might be like a Play-Doh's closet where you can get kind of like higher-name higher, higher name stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, 
for 50% off okay. or more. Mm-hmm. And so they would buy they buy stuff like that and they would rather um, refit it. So this is like for higher end clothes, like if you're buying used suits and shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's cheaper to refit than it is to buy new. And so that that family was very wealthy. They were talking about how they got fucking all the all the hot yeah. name brand shit, right? But they would buy it used at like eighty percent of the cost from a store, and they would just go get it refit. Um, That's smart. Mm-hmm. We should really go check Plato's closet out. Yeah, we could. Yeah, but so is a way that like you get high quality clothes. Mm-hmm. You look. You're in name brand, so you look the part. Mm-hmm. But you spent less than half the money. Mm-hmm. And a lot of those clothes, if you're buying them like that, they haven't been worn to the bones. Right. So they still have a lot of their life left, just like the car. Mm-hmm. Just like the car example, right? And so they're. So what's crazy to think they were. So that uh, couple in particular was just shy of eight figure millionaire. So, you know, they're they were high end single millionaires, so probably around eight, nine million back in the nineties. They drive used cars, they have used furniture, they wear used clothes, and yet they're more wealthy than all their friends, like everyone they know. Um, they're not keeping up with the Joneses, nothing like that. They're on their own track. Mega wealthy. That's so cool, dude. <clears throat> and so it it's such a different perspective and i like reading that book because that was the first that was the first account in that book that i read that went into like clothes yeah i've furniture. never heard anyone talk about clothes and furniture right the we other about, ones talked about the houses sorry yeah we hear about cars and houses a lot cars and houses a lot but down to the clothes they wear and how not to blow money on clothes i thought that was the coolest shit ever yeah dude i love that <clears throat> so that's um that's kind of that's that was the main portion of that like sub chapter that i really loved was how to how to hedge against depreciation mm-hmm. in all your assets dude that's a true businessman really to like think about business woman woman um whatever uh person um to think about like everything in your life and how it depreciates oh shoes was another thing because you can get shoes like resold yes yes sorry so i i forgot about that um i don't know if you guys know this because we have like a different most most people listening this might not know um back in the day it was not uncommon for a pair of shoes to be five hundred dollars yeah or more working like working suit type shoes Mm mm-hmm um, and like I, I've watched uh, YouTube videos on it, people will have seven hundred to thousand dollar plus shoes, and it's cheaper to get them resold and cleaned up because it's around like three hundred bucks to get them resold, sold and cleaned up mm-hmm. than it is to buy that thousand dollar pair of shoes again. That's insane. Um, and so like this couple. They, they clearly are, like, higher up. They wear suits to work and shit like that, which was a lot more common in the 90s than it is today. But they weren't wearing Nikes. Mm-hmm. That just, you know, those the shoes that just fucking you wear and they die. No, they, like, wore professional shoes. They would get them 
uh, resold and cleaned up so that they always had top-of-the-line, high-quality shoes. That's so cool, dude. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's just so different, right? Like, it's so different in today's age than Mm -hmm. back then because think about it like this. Our shoes... Like like a running pair of shoes is good for three to five hundred miles, right? Which is not long. That's not very long. Because think about it like this: just walking around on those days we did the tours in yeah um, Europe. In Europe, we were doing over ten miles a day on those shoes. Yeah, we were. And so, you know, high end days like that, you, you get fifty days. Yeah. To a pair of shoes. That's insane. Are you shitting me? So it's it's kind of interesting to think about that and and like work boots and shit too like how fast do you run through a pair of shoes at work oh man probably in less than probably four months yeah and i mean i need i need bad like some pairs bad yeah and and like my my work boots that i i wore like not full time i wore them like a couple three days a week for a year and a half are like fucking tired. Which ones? They're tight. The Timberlands. Oh yeah. They're tired. But those ones, I mean, those ones lasted way longer than your Keens, or not way longer. They're way better, like quality than your. They're Keens. better quality, yeah, 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 yeah. But like, even those, so higher quality Timberlands still wore down. If I was to wear, if I was wearing yeah. them every day, it would have been about nine months. Yeah. And they're they're like. R.I.P. Yeah. <clears throat> and so you look at that. It's not how it used to be. Mm-hmm. And that's that's like, that's everything. We throw away everything now. Everything gets thrown away. Mm-hmm. It's such a waste. Um, think about, like, cars. Dude, they used to just, remember, um, Bob? Mm-hmm. I was telling us about, he just fucking would take the engine out of his car and do an engine swap. Yeah. And shit, right? Like. Things do. Things are not the quality. They do not last. Everything is thrown away mm-hmm. compared to what it used to be. Mm-hmm. Um, things used to be salvaged all the time, and now that that's not the case. No, now they just want cheap and disposable, pretty much. Mm-hmm. One thing that's neat. What? No. One thing that's neat, and I was talking to uh, Stephen Bernie about this. So the the mini the mini house guys mm-hmm. that do the the antique refurbished mini house oh yeah, mini yeah. homes okay tiny homes sorry guys <gasps> oh the ones in uh eau claire yeah yeah, 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 yeah. um they will bid to gut and tear down places and so they i'm i'm imagining their bid to tear down this stuff is they aren't paying to tear it down they're getting paid yeah to tear, to it, tear down. it down yeah so they're getting paid to tear something down, they piece by piece take this thing apart to salvage all the boards in it. The boards, the hardwoods, mm-hmm. the steel, the side. Like, they take it apart to salvage it. Then they build tiny homes with the salvage material that they just got paid to take apart. Mm-hmm. So now they're saving stuff from going to the landfill, which is typically, more more often than not, it's a lot higher quality than you can buy now. Oh, yeah. So you're getting a lot higher quality build. It's not going to the landfill. Mm-hmm. And it's being repurposed, and they get paid to do it. Mm-hmm. 
if we could take a sustainable, a more sustainable route like that and quit filling up our landfill with all this shit, dude, oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. And even like I t- Kyle and I talk about this, Sam and I talk about this. If Sam and I get some land in the country, we're gonna get a we're gonna do a burn pile. Yeah, hundred we'll percent. Pour, pour a little concrete slab, maybe like two two to four inches thick concrete slab. Mm-hmm. Put all of our wood on it mm-hmm. and burn the wood because it's just burning wood. Wood burns all the fucking time. How many forest fires are there a year? Yeah, a lot. So if we are burning that wood instead of throwing it in a landfill to get buried. That's less fucking room being taken up in a landfill. Mm-hmm. We don't have to pay to take it to a landfill. We just dump it and then light it on fire mm-hmm. um, and then clean up any nails afterwards. Yeah. And then we can bring the nails in for scrap. Yeah, true. Dude. I don't know. That's smart. I just think it's fucking... I don't know. When we look at the landfill in Eau Claire, it is massive. It is so tall. Dude. So tall. And that fucker expands fast mm-hmm. the layers they put on in like a month's time is incredible dude yeah it's sh- there's there's so much waste and so much garbage it's disgusting i'm kind of surprised eau claire doesn't have a i guess uh, the local store was kind of that way um there's in bigger cities there's places that like uh they don't have containers for stuff mm-hmm. like you have to bring your own glass jars to put like your oats nuts yeah yeah yeah. thank you i couldn't think of words of what you would put in a jar um so i'm kind of surprised eau claire doesn't have something like that yeah dude i mean it's just um because there aren't a lot of like conscious people like that here here's what here's what i don't like the farm fresh eggs yes that are in the three tiered plastic containers Mm -hmm. and i'm like the amount of plastic for a dozen eggs here is disgusting yep like the amount of waste here was insane why isn't this in the cheap falling apart shit right Right? the recycled paper recycled paper thing Mm -hmm. um or there should be a lot more fucking there used to be in fridges built in the fridges oh the egg things things. yes dude they're so like i looked at an old fridge and i was like this thing's a lot more fucking efficient not energy wise but a lot more efficient for like storing food because they they didn't have everything in packages Mm -hmm. shit would get delivered yeah the glass jugs that milk of milk would get delivered and you'd sell out your two other glass jugs that they'd take and then you know refill them refill them Mm -hmm. um dude i miss that shit dude we just live in such a fucking wasteful transactional society it's disgusting i know did you when we were talking about the plastic waste last week um one of the videos i watched was about how like to not buy meat that's on the styrofoam packages because that styrofoam leaches into the meat. I'm not surprised. Right, 100%. I'm like, fuck, dude. Everything comes on, on those... Every meat comes in that plastic thing. No, when or you on the, from a local butcher shop. Yeah, at the the styrofoam thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, our fish is vacuum-sealed in plastic. How do we know that plastic's not leaching into the <sighs> fish? Probably is. Yeah. Probably is. Especially we, if we bought it from a local butcher, it wouldn't be. Well, yeah, because they'd probably wrap it in paper. I never even thought of that. Like, they're supposed to. I bet you rumps has some good shit. I bet you they do. Damn. Because, yeah, I think rumps... Uh, they do have some stuff vacuum-sealed in plastic and whatnot. Um, 
but that that like that stuff has to be different because it has to be food safe. Why? Because the FDA has to approve it because they don't approve shit that's not yeah, safe. Yeah, that's valid. All right, so last thing. Yes. Real AF, Andy Frisella, what episode? Oh, my gosh, this is the most recent one. You guys have to go listen to this shit. It is the greatest episode. It is what's on everybody's mind right now. No, it's only on your mind if you have any idea of the world. Yeah. Um... Andy Fursella, episode 434, Realigning American America, featuring Ian Smith. It is so freaking good. So good. He talks a lot about what's happening um, in the country right now, in the U.S. right now. Um, so, Brittany Griner. Um, oh, some other new shit that's happening. Let's see, what does he say? Uh, oh, yeah, talk about the voting process right now censorship and elon musk a little bit Mm -hmm. it's so good guys just listen to it real af episode 434 Mm -hmm. all right but one of the things and what like what reminded me of this oh yeah yeah yeah. they talk about supporting local businesses Mm -hmm. instead of walmart and target and the big box brands they say like we spend three dollars extra for a dozen of eggs to buy them from the farmer's market. Mm-hmm. We spend $3 extra a pound of grapes to buy from the farmer's market. Instead of going and buying their shit from Walmart because it's convenient, like, you know, whatever, they will drive 30 minutes to a local store to buy those things. Yeah. Just so that they are supporting a local company and not supporting the top one percent of the one percent who run the world essentially pretty much so cancel culture with your dollars pretty much Mm -hmm. is what they say yep um so shun and i actually have been thinking a lot about that stuff and we've been a little more conscious of where we're buying things um there's still some things we don't know where we can get that's not at like walmart so we're working on that um but i think we should like post something on our uh website about like where you can get stuff besides Walmart and stuff. That's what I was, yeah, I was thinking we could do another podcast on it mm-hmm. and then post it on like yeah where where you could buy because we're gonna have to figure that out too. Yeah, right. That's um, why we'll help you. Yeah, instead of going and spending our money at Walmart, um, help out little smaller places. Mm. And like we're there's obviously gonna be some excep- exceptions. Like we'll probably still shop at Blaine's Farm and Fleet because they they really aren't that big of a store. And fucking Maynards. And Menards, sadly. But like, we're—I mean, we'll still go to Aldi. Is a little bit different in my mind, Um, just because Aldi does have a lot more natural stuff, Um, and they're actually like a good company because they made sure their prices were lower for Thanksgiving. It's it's not bad to shop with a big company like a Farm and Fleet. It's bad to shop with the people that, like, control the world like Walmart. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, that That's the way I'd look at it. Like, the Farm and Fleet's not really bothering me. John Menard's not fucking part of the fucking World Economic Forum that we think, like, I don't right, think yeah. he is. Um, 
And so, like, shit like that, even though I do, like, I mean, there's certain things that instead of buying at Menards, like, I go get my flooring from Carpet City now. Yeah. You know? Um, and I, I do try to, like, buy shit from places, like, when we get appliances from Carl's TV and Appliance instead of Menards. Yeah. Um, and I just do shit like that to try to support. It's a little less efficient, and sometimes the prices are a little higher, but I feel better working with them than menards mm. um better uh, customer service yeah yeah yep and not like and also support the stores that like we said obviously look into the company of like what their values are but like jimmy john's jimmy john's are like actually owned by local people they mm. just have to pay into the franchise right yep so do take that into consideration with some some stores as well but yeah just get away from walmart they also poison you, so really, really get away. Yeah. Well, it's just, yeah. Listen to Real AF episode 434 and uh, just hear what you hear. Yeah. And we'll make an episode about places to shop to support other small businesses instead of just supporting... Walmart. Mega rich. <laughs> Walmart and Amazon. Dude, that's like um people that say like tax the wealthy and shit. And they're, like, shopping at Walmart mm-hmm. and supporting the wealthy by shopping at Walmart. Like, you're feeding into the like problem. You are the problem. Yep. Go shop at the local store. Mm-hmm. Is that what it's called? The local store? Yeah. Just local foods? Just local foods. Mm-hmm. Go shop there. I think now it's going to be the Menominee. Well, it's Did part they close? Of- they're opening up that, uh, where that parking lot was by the livery. They're opening up the... Uh, the food co-op thing so that'll be actually really nice because we'll be able to buy like farmer's market stuff there yeah yeah so go shop there don't shop at the fucking big stores don't dude if if you if you're talking about fucking tax rich and all shit and you're wearing nike you're wearing adidas shit like that that supports that literally has child labor if you have an apple phone they use fucking child labor for apple products if you're talking about that shit and you're using those things, you're the fucking problem, dude. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, don't be a hypocrite. Uh, so anyways, and I, like, uh, I don't know, I guess I have like a Samsung Galaxy, so I'm definitely part of the problem. Probably. Um, but I also say don't tax the rich. I say a flat tax of 10% to everybody. That's true. So we're not hypocrites? Nope. Cool. That's why I got Hey, love it, love it. All right, guys. Thanks for tuning in. Hope you learned something and um, create wealth for yourself. Yeah. See you. Bye.